It is Monday, October 2nd, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today presented to you by SeatGeek throughout the entire playoff run. I am Chris Rose. That is Trevor Plouffe. Producer Dan along for the ride as well. The regular season has come and gone, my friend. Can you believe it? I can. I got to be honest with you, Chris. This one didn't fly by to me. This one took a little bit, and I'm excited now that we're past all that, past all the teams we don't need to talk about. Here are the guys in the dance, and this is the best part of the year for me. I love it, dude. I know. We love this month in particular because we get a helping hand from our friends over at SeatGeek who will help you enjoy the baseball postseason even more. SeatGeek is the official ticket marketplace of Major League Baseball, and they're giving you all 10% off your next purchase with the code John Boy Postseason. That's all caps. That's all one word. And it doesn't matter whether you are a returning customer or a rookie when using this app, which you should just download on your phone, you are going to get 10% John Boy Postseason is the key word there. They're going to hook you up, so enjoy all of the playoff baseball that you can. And this Friday, we have another SeatGeek question of the week. Get it in by Thursday night. We're going to pick the best one. We're going to use it on Friday's show. And listen to this. If we pick your question, you're going to get $1,000 worth of credit to use on SeatGeek. That is no joke. You can use it for anything. Baseball playoffs, NFL games, college football. Go check out Dion's team. Go to Tay-Tay's next concert. I don't care what the heck it is. Go use it. Make your question entertaining, informative, maybe playoff related, but get it into our social media channels by Thursday night, okay? At Chris Rose Sports is where you're going to want to check it out on X or Twitter. So there you go. Uh, Before we get to everything that went down over the weekend, we start with obviously very, very sad news. And it's the reason I'm wearing this Boston Red Sox hat. Unfortunately, Tim Wakefield, who helped break the 86-year World Series curse for the Boston Red Sox, passed away Sunday at the age of 57. Uh, Unfortunately, we all got the news when we shouldn't have in the middle of last week that he was battling brain cancer. And then, unfortunately, this came on very quickly and he passed away. Um, Listen, I don't know. Did you know Tim personally? I didn't know him personally. I definitely got to play against him, which was an honor for me because, you know, Tim Wakefield to me is, you know, almost a household name in baseball. Yeah. And you think you think Tim Wakefield, you know exactly what to think. You think of the knuckleball. And I think because, you know, of the way that he approached that and, you know, how long he played that, you know, many people know the name Tim Wakefield. And if you actually knew him, which a lot of my friends did, you knew what kind of person he was, a great person, a great teammate. You know, there was a lot of outpouring of love for him, you know, over the weekend, uh, which, you know, was appropriate. And it's a very, very sad story. Too young. He was broadcasting for the Red Sox. Just still very much in the fabric of that organization. Um, So, you know, my thoughts are with him, his family, and, you know, all of Red Sox nation and, it's it's very very sad. It actually hit me when I found out on the broadcast. I had to step away for a little bit. That, that hurts, man. It does it's terrible. I got to know Tim obviously through my relationship with Kevin Millar, and what a freaking awesome dude, man. So giving. The 2010 recipient of the Roberto Clemente Award. We have talked about that a lot on this show about how highly regarded people who receive that honor are, um, throughout all of baseball. And so that means you are a very special person. When you throw on top of that, that he had ended up with 200 career wins, 186 of those as the Red Sox. 
that he's thrown more innings than any pitcher in the history of that franchise. I will repeat that. The history of that franchise, it's pretty damn good. And you really have to kind of dig a little bit in the minutiae to understand what Tim Wakefield was all about. Because he threw a knuckleball, he could throw a lot in the playoffs. And boy, did they need him. And when the Red Sox went down three games to the Yankees in the 4 ALCS, Wake ate a ton of innings when they were getting tossed all over the place. They ended up losing 19 to eight, but he threw three and a third innings. And then two days later in game five, threw another three innings. There aren't a lot of guys that could do that. And he did it. And then in 2007, he was coming back from a back injury. He wasn't pitching great. He wasn't even on the world series roster. He didn't make it about him. He didn't make it about him. He made it about the team and that's what he was all about there. And so this is a, this is a real tough blow. Uh, We do send our best to, Tim Wakefield's uh, family and friends as they are obviously going through a very, very challenging time. We continue on with the games that we play. We have our 12-team bracket all set. And here are the champs, the Houston Astros. They had to go on a run, and they did that last week of the season up in Seattle, and they they took it out to Arizona. They have now won the AL West for the sixth time in the last seven years. In your opinion, will the rest of the American League regret that the champs went from the cusp of not even making it to meaningful baseball in October to now being a two-seed and getting a bye? Yes, I, I do think that teams will regret it. I think the ability for them now to you know set up their pitching is, you know, you can't really understate that. Get guys rested, get guys healthy. You know, you're going to try to stay as sharp as you can, which I think is – you know, one thing that you have the buy, it's great. You do get to rest and you do get to set up your pitching. I think the I think the buy can mess with hitters' timing a little bit, so they're going to have to combat that, which, you know, all the good teams are going to have to do, the ones that have buys, and they're going to get creative with that and do it. Um, it, it this, this could mean nothing or it could mean everything, but right now in my head, letting them go and get the confidence of, hey, we won the division, we're going to have home field advantage, uh, we get to rest everything instead of them kind of limping into the playoffs and the Rangers, you know, having those shirts on that say champs and then them coming in and having, you know, no time to rest and going straight into a wild card series. That would have been so different. They would have had to go into Minnesota uh, and, and not been home, but now we've let them have the home field advantage. We let them rest. It's, it just seems mm-hmm. like a recipe for disaster for the rest of the American League. So, yes, I mean, and Alex Bregman had a pretty good line uh, before they sprayed champagne, he said. And that's not – I know it's not his line. but Definitely not his line. Not his line, but it's still good. A lot of people wondered what would happen if the Astros didn't win the AL West. I guess we'll never know. Except for the one time they didn't in the last seven years. But that is accurate. Here's the deal. You talked about it. The pitching, Verlander wouldn't – have been able to go until a do or die game three in the wild card round that would have been huge right we've talked about how suspect their starting pitching has been here in the second half of the year and this was a team that was teetering as confident as the astros have been as an organization over the last six or seven years this team was teetering in september right they lost two series to the royals they lost one to the yep. a's those are hundred lost teams and you're sitting here going what they can't win a game at home and then they go up to seattle place was going to be rocking they, Verlander set the tone right out of the gate they took it to Luis Castillo 
They ended up winning a series up there. They get out to Arizona. Did they get some help lineup-wise on Sunday in order to win the division? Yeah, they did. They did, but who cares? They came out and pounced, and that's what they do better than just about any franchise out there. So now they do get to set up their pitching, which needs it. They get to rest their bullpen, which is very meaningful because they have really leaned on that bullpen heavy over the last few weeks. So, But to me, the most interesting thing was, have you followed what's gone on between Brian McTaggart, who is the beat writer slash cheerleader for the Astros on MLB.com, and Evan Grant in particular, who covers the Rangers? Um, McTaggart came out and said he – he quote tweeted the uh, Rangers celebrating from making the playoffs on Saturday. And then they lost one to nothing against knuckleballer, George Kirby and the Mariners on Sunday. And so he quote tweeted the video of the Rangers spraying champagne. He's like, look, the Rangers celebrated and the Astros just did a champagne toast and they got ready because they knew there was more work to do. And Evan Grant's like, what the fuck is the matter with you? They were in there for a half hour they sprayed champagne on each other because they made the playoffs for the first time in seven years. Then a lot of them went and showered and watched the rest of the Astros game on TV, and they were all ready on Sunday. They got beat by a team that put out their best lineup and by a pretty decent pitcher in George Kirby. And so those two are going back and forth. This shit is hilarious, man. I mean, you asked me if I'm following beat writers beef. No, I'm not following the beat writers beef. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not following that. But maybe you should. It's been that entertaining. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, the, the reality of the situation is, you know, heading into the ALDS, they're going to have, you know, Verlander and Framber set up, and whoever they face is going to be on their fourth starter to start. So, you know, you're going to get, you know, possibly a leg up in that first game. And that's kind of right. what it means. You win game one of that, then it, it flips. And that's that's why teams want it. Right. It doesn't mean that they won't be rusty. We saw it happen last year with the top two teams in the National League getting bounced in the divisional round, the Braves and the Dodgers. But yep. I think for this team, the way they're constructed, it was a huge, huge deal. Uh, so the Mariners missed out. They were eliminated this weekend when they split a series with Texas, and obviously Houston did its thing down in Arizona. So instead of back-to-back playoff appearances, they're sitting there wondering what the hell went wrong. Well, here's their catcher, Cal Raleigh, on perhaps – shopping in the expensive aisle this offseason you look over in the other locker room right there they've they've added more than anybody else and you saw where it got them this year so um there's more than one way to skin a cat that's for sure but um you know going out and getting those big names people who have done it people who have been there um people who are leaders people uh who have shown time and time again that they can be successful in this league is, is definitely gonna you know would would help this clubhouse would help this team maybe help those little things uh you know that we need he was talking about the other clubhouse being the texas rangers of course do you have any problem with cal raleigh basically saying yeah we need we need better players here i don't i don't at all and i know he came out and apologized apologized the next day for saying Mm -hmm. it probably because they made him but i and also it's i thought it was pretty funny because they asked some of his teammates and his teammates were like, no, like we kind of agree with what he said. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with what he said. Sometimes I think players are okay to push uh, management in front office to, to go do something. You know, I, there's one massive free agent out there on the market that has been linked to Seattle. And I don't know if that's exactly who he was talking about. Probably not in that situation, but Hey, like they, it would serve them well to go out through free agency and, and get some people. They, they have a nice core there. Um, they have players that are controllable that aren't making a lot of money. They've locked a few guys up 
Um, but like, yeah, they want to, they want to, they want to level up. And one of the ways to level up is to go out through free agency and do it. And yeah. And like, it's, it's kind of fitting that he was playing the Rangers and that's kind of how they got out of their rebuild into, you know, a playoff caliber team. They've, they've done, they've done it all actually. It hasn't mm-hmm. just been through free agency. They've went, you know, you know, via trade as well. Obviously the game one starter is going to be Jordan Montgomery. That's great. Um, so I think that's kind of what he's saying. Like, let's let's go through all phases and go out and try to get these guys. And I think that's okay to say that you 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 lose out on the postseason in the final days of the season, you're gonna feel like what could we have done differently to make this squad go to the postseason? You have that pit in your stomach. I mean, they traded away Paul Sewold at the at the deadline. I don't know if people look back at that and they feel pissed about it. Uh, we've seen that happen with you know the Brewers and Hater and. He could be mad about that. I don't have any problem with what he said. In fact, I think it's okay. Look, a front office person, whether it be the GM, president of baseball operations, it could be your manager, they can come and say, hey, this player is not performing up to standard, and no one bats an eye. And if a player goes out and says, hey, the front office isn't performing up to standard, everyone freaks out about it, I, I that's a double standard to me. So... I kind of look a little bit at what the Mariners have done in recent years. So they brought in Robbie Ray. Correct me if I'm wrong. He had just won the Cy Young, and they gave him a nine-figure contract. Is that accurate? Yes. Now, he hasn't been good, and then he got injured. No. They traded for Luis Castillo, who was the hottest arm on the trade market at the time, right? hmm They extended him to a nine-figure deal. hmm I mean, those are two pretty substantial moves, I would say. Not everybody is willing to do that. Go chase the Cy Young Award winner, and then you double down by getting the biggest starting pitcher on the market. Like that's that, that's some decent stuff. Plus, they extended Julio. They do have hey, some Oscar. Hot, hey, Oscar, they went and traded for. And I understand what he's saying, and I think it was mounted in frustration that shit we had it right in front of us with ten days to go because we were playing Texas in two series and Houston in another, and we tripped on our own dick getting to the playoffs. I understand that. Because I like Cal Raleigh. I think that guy balls out and you can it does bother him. Like he came out he said, I apologize to my coaches and my teammates and the fans of Seattle, but I am not going to apologize for wanting to win. And I I want dogs like that. I do think like he's a baseball dog. That's we hear that a lot in football. I think he's the baseball version of it. So I do think that Jerry DePoto has done some things. Can he do more? Yes. But they're gonna have to get most of these guys are scheduled to come back. I think Tay Oscar's the biggest free agent they've got. Most of these guys are scheduled to come back. So that means that if they're going to bring guys in, dudes that have helped them get to the playoffs for the first time in more than two decades are going to be hitting the road. I don't know who that is, but I think there are going to be lineup changes at the very least here. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think mainly what he's talking about is, is bats. Yeah, uh, which yeah, which means somebody's gonna have to go. I, I love JP Crawford though having his back, and then we can move on. He goes, I think Cal had some great comments yesterday. Mm-hmm. I know there's a big controversy about that earlier this morning, and I'm with him on that. I think we need to go out there and make and really make a move to help this team win. They're just in their feels, man. They're pissed. Yes, and they should be. They should be because I have it, no it, problem with this at all. And, and if you're the front office, you're like, you know what? These guys want to win. I like it. And I think I read for the fourth time since 2014, they were eliminated on the final weekend of the year. They're st- they're stinging as a fan base and as a group of players. And Cal Raleigh, I have no problem with what you said. I just wanted to kind of double check some of his math on some of the organizational moves. 
As we told you, today's episode of Baseball Today is sponsored by SeatGeek. And since the playoffs are here, celebrate SeatGeek. They're giving you a special offer to all of our listeners and our viewers. Use the code JOHNBOYPLAYOFFS, 10% off your order, whether you are a first-time buyer or a repeat customer. That is a big, big deal. So take your phone, this thing. Open up your apps. Download the SeatGeek app. Add John Boy Postseason to your account. If you have no idea what SeatGeek is all about, they're the best ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. Uh, they've got the app on the phones. It's a piece of cake. They don't just let you go shop on your own. They rate every ticket on a scale of 0 to 10 to make sure that you're getting the best deal possible. So if you see a green dot, that's a good deal. Might not be like the best seat in the house. It means you're getting the best deal that money can buy. See a red dot? Slow your roll, bro. Move on. Go find a green dot. SeatGeek is also the official ticket marketplace of Major League Baseball, so they got you covered for all of your playoff needs. Once again, special hookup for you right now. Use that code JOHNBOYPOSTSEASON, 10% off the tickets at SeatGeek. Code works on tickets on anything. It doesn't matter how many times you bought tickets in the past. On SeatGeek, JOHNBOYPOSTSEASON is going to get you 10% off your next order. Enjoy the postseason. Enjoy a concert. Enjoy an NFL game, college football, anything else. Save money. That's simple. All right. A few managerial moves this weekend. Buck Showalter fired by the Mets. Gabe Kapler disposed of by the San Francisco Giants on Friday. Didn't even get to manage the weekend against the Dodgers. Were you shocked by one, both, or neither of those moves? Um, I don't know if I was shocked necessarily by the Buck Showalter news i mean i don't think that's like he deserved necessarily to be fired but once you hire uh, a, you know a new guy to come in and, and run your organization the way that the mets have done with, with david stearns i feel like the inevitable happens like he wants his guys there and essentially i'm assuming that's what happened he said i i want somebody else and talk to stevie cohen and bucks out and i think so I wasn't necessarily surprised with that one the gabe and, and farhan was a little bit different because there's been there had been talks about Gabe and him staying through next year. And then there were some other talks like Farhan spoke only a few days after that. And was said everything he said, everything's on the table. We need to get better at all these things. Um, so I will say I'm, I was a little bit shocked with the Gabe one because I thought, I thought they both were going to come back together. But if you kind of boil that situation down and both of these guys are kind of on the hot seat, that's one way for Farhan to say like, I, I think we need to try something different and maybe save his butt. A little bit, if that makes sense. So I think mm -hmm, totally. I think I think Gabe. I think Gabe is a. If he wants to continue managing, I think he's going to find a spot. Um, Buck, I don't know if he's going to suit it up again. Yeah, and I think that's why he was so sad because a guy who has given so much to the game. I mean, we're talking about manager of the year honors, and he has never reached the holy grail. And I think he felt like. God damn, did we have the team to do it this year? And when he saw it all crumbling down in the middle of the season, he's like, oh, my God, I know which way this is going to go. He's not dumb. He's a bright guy. He plays that whole Mississippi State, blah, 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 blah. But he is as smart as they come in this sport. He saw the David Stern's tidal wave coming in his direction, and he knew he was going to get caught in the undertow. It was that simple. As far as out west, damn, man. Farhan, you cold. You, yeah. you, you, you're that's rough. There's one life preserver on the boat. Not only did he not throw it to Gabe Kapler, he he pushed him out of the boat. 
and probably tied 50-pound weights to his ankles. <laughs> Good luck, pal. Now, I will say this, Floopy. I know that Gabe's very, you're very close with Gabe, and I like him. I, I dig him. I think he's such an interesting dude. He had the 107-win season, which you cannot take away from that. That is on his mark forever. He helped win 107 games in a city with a team that you thought would never win 107 games unless they played 200 of them that year. Other than that, it's been an average run in Philly and in San Francisco. Now, you could make the argument that he had average players in San Francisco, and I will back that argument. I said this weeks ago. I have no idea what the identity of this franchise is, and that's Farhan's fault, in my opinion. But it sounds like if Gabe... You had heard some chirping from players in recent weeks that, hey, there's no accountability here. That's a that's a managerial issue, is it not? That's actually shocking to me that that's would be said. And I'm not in the locker room, so I, I I have played for Gabe before, and I believe that he was very. I liked the way he managed. I I I I did. So I'm a fan of his, not only because you know I grew up in the same area, we worked out together. I I just liked the way he was as a manager. I thought he was very transparent. You kind of knew what you were gonna get. Uh, he's not the one that's developing or not developing players in the Giants farm system. He's not the one putting together this team. It's it's kind of you you got what you got, Gabe, and go run it. He's in an, in a very tough division there, trying to compete against San Diego and, and what they've brought in, trying to compete against the Dodgers. Now the uh, the Diamondbacks have sprung up and they have their homegrown talent coming in and changing everything. We all we heard about was these young guys coming up and they're the reason the giants are still in it. Well, go look at the stats, man. Like they didn't, it's not like any of them had unbelievable years. They just, they didn't. So I don't know, man. I'm not surprised by anything with managers necessarily anymore in today's game. Like it seems like such a weird relationship between the managers and the front office for the most part. Very few. I, I feel like have like good close relationships in the big leagues anymore. Well, you know what? I think the biggest reason for that is because we know that the managers have so little control over everything from roster construction to uh, lineup creation to bullpen moves to everything else. And it, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do this in the off season. And this is on me that I haven't done it well enough. I have to get somebody to speak on the record. Why don't you guys, somebody from the front office, like? Are you handing the lineup card? Are you handing the lineup card to the manager? Like, fans deserve to know who to be pissed at at the end of the day. Come on the on our show and tell just tell us the truth. And then that way we can all formulate our opinions because we're sitting here, particularly over the next month, particularly over the next month, when managers have to supposedly make moves. But if they're being controlled by the front office, then we don't know who to be pissed at. And if most of the time it's the front office. I'll just I, let everyone know that. I would think so too, but I haven't heard it out of anybody's mouth. And I know why that is. Managers don't want to look like they're they're they've got somebody's hand in their back as a puppet. And the front and office the, if doesn't you, if you start blaming the front office, guess what happens? <laughs> you get fired. You get fired. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. And it's I a think fickle that's position. What, I think that's what happened here. So I don't know. Listen, Gabe's gonna be successful in whatever he does and Bucklehead back to MLB Network or ESPN I, or wherever. I would love Gabe 
on MLB Network, to be honest with you. I don't know anybody that kind of like prepares the way that Gabe prepares and the way mm-hmm. that he speaks would be so different than what they have on MLB Network. I think I'd be open to it, to be honest with you. I think, I think he would get in tips and fights with some of those guys that are there because he gets so in-depth, and I don't think a lot of them do. I think it would be a. I think it would make for great television if it was like him versus Billy Ripken, and just them going back and forth. I think it would be phenomenal. Um. Well, he did work for Fox. Remember, he he did work for Fox on their baseball coverage and did a really good job. Really, really good job. All right. Uh. One other managerial note, and want to thank one of our nearly everyday AMP listeners, and you should download the AMP app on your iPhone so you can join our conversation. Sippin' Mead, really good fan of the show, turned us on to this story out of St. Louis. Just a disastrous season for the Cardinals. Horrible season. Um, they're going to do some soul-searching. We understand Ali Marmol is returning for yet another season in the dugout. He had a really interesting quote after their season was all wrapped up. He said, I want a clubhouse full of guys who have one thing on their mind, and that's not themselves. It's winning a championship. So you start out by weeding those out. Does it surprise you to hear that public comment from a manager? Yeah, it does. I mean, we talked about this before the show because this was, like you just mentioned, kind of brought up and we really haven't had time to really digest it. And this is kind of reactionary. So I want, you know, I want everyone to know that. I think that Ali Marmol has a little bit of an ego himself. And again, I don't, I'm not really in the clubhouse. I've talked to a few guys that have been in the clubhouse, not just Jack Flaherty, by the way. I want everyone to know that because I know everyone's going to go there. I've talked to a few guys. It's It was a weird year there in St. Louis. You know, a lot of things, there was a, a, a transition of power, uh, whether that be, you know, in the clubhouse with Yachty leaving or, you know, the way that the things went down early on in the season. So I'm going to side on like all he needs to kind of chill a little bit and like have his players back more. And, and I think he should try that, but there could be a case where there's a couple bad apples in the clubhouse and maybe he's speaking specifically to those guys. And if that's the case, and I mean, I agree with, with what he's saying, like you want a bunch of guys there pulling the same direction. I would approach it drastically different i would fluff every single guy up and say i want you to feel your best and go do what you have to do with the caveat of being guys we are a team here like you can do both you can go out there and play to the best of your ability and like you know there are times where you can be selfish but you can also understand that the game is a team game and without the rest of your teammates doing things well like it's not going to be a successful year for you. Like it takes everyone playing their best all together. So it's you. It's it can be two different things. It can, and they can work together. So I, you know, maybe he maybe he felt like this was absolutely paramount that he called somebody out and they really needed it. I don't know who that would be. No idea. But if it's just like general, like hey, bro, you guys lost so many games. Of course, of course, there was going to be selfish baseball played once you guys are out of the race and you trade everybody there's no world series there's no playoffs there's nothing so now it's it becomes a selfish form of baseball 100 but you know how you cure that win early in the season put yourself in a position to be in the playoffs once you start trading away guys and you're done i have no problem with the players being selfish 
What what are they supposed to do? And what is what does that even mean being selfish? I don't know. I, I will say this. I don't know Ali Marmol. I do I don't know him. And I'm definitely not in the Cardinals Clubhouse. This has been an unmitigated disaster. This has been PR nightmare 101. Horribly handled. And here is another facet of it. I don't get it. It's fine to feel that way. He might be 100% on point. And they should get rid of guys that are me first. You know where you ha- where you make that statement? When you're having your postseason meetings with everybody. Not in front of a goddamn microphone. I'm all for creating content. Like, I love this stuff, right? It's great for us. But holy shit, would I be pissed if I were a Cardinals fan today? Because now we're going to look at every Cardinals transaction in the offseason. And if somebody hits the road, we're going to go, well, was that the poison pill? Was that the guy who made it shitty that played for himself and not his teammates? That's going to be really tough to handle. And what does he get out of this? What is the... What is the win here? Is he trying to save face in front of the fans and say, hey, listen, it was those guys over there that fucked it all up for the rest of us. And you'll see, we're going to bring good people in here. What is the end of the day? I can't imagine Terry Francona, Bruce Bochy, Jim Leland ever saying shit like this, ever. They would never air out people like this, even if they felt that way. When would they do that? When would they do that? Behind closed doors. doors. Right? You owe that. These are grown men. We got we, we have a lot of Cardinals fans, uh, specifically our guy Spicy in the chat here. You know, he's talking, well, Ollie isn't the reason that they didn't have any pitching and the players didn't perform, but it started from the get-go with that clubhouse. Yeah. From the get-go with the clubhouse. And t- I'll tell you what, man, when you're around each other that many days, you know, a hundred and you spent a hundred and uh eighty days plus. together. Yeah. Pretty much in a row, like things happen. You have to have a good clubhouse. I just came from the Twins clubhouse, and I know, of course, they're in the playoffs. Think vibes are high, no oh. doubt about it. But I was there, you know, during the year in the first half when vibes weren't so high, and like they had, like every team, like there was things happening. There was a little bit of like dissension in the ranks. We, you, you remember when they had the players only hitting meetings mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. But like from the get-go, Rocco has tried to maintain balance in there, and he's done a good job, better than Ollie has uh, done. So I will say this. I agree. They went into the year with not enough starting pitching, and right. we thought that could be a problem. It ended up being a problem. There were some underperformances offensively. Defensively, is is that's from all that I've heard, that's all like their positioning. The team didn't like it. And so, like, that to me is a front office issue because you're telling these guys where to play. Most of the time, you even got a freaking line, a card telling you exactly where to stand. So that is a front office uh, coach-manager issue. Mm-hmm. But it, the fact that we've talked about Aldi Marmol more than any other manager this year will tell you It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. All right. Uh, once again, you, you're probably wondering, well, why haven't you talked about the Diamondbacks? And why haven't you talked about the – Rangers, we did a little bit at the top. And why haven't you talked about the Marlins? We're going to be doing full previews Tuesday and getting into all that stuff. It's awesome what those teams did. I mean, it's been great. We have focused a lot on those clubs here down the stretch. There's just obviously some housekeeping we have to keep you know, tabs on here. But before we get out of here on the YouTube and the podcast side of things, we just want to go through and just 
honor a bunch of guys who may have been on a major league field for the last time. And it starts with Miguel Cabrera. It was a wonderful, wonderful weekend where they honored him with pregame ceremonies, giving him gifts. Family was there throwing out first pitches. He even played first base by borrowing Spencer Torkelson's mitt, made the last play. And then his kids who had announced him as an at bat over the PA system earlier in the day, joined AJ Hinch when they took him out here in the eighth inning. This is the beauty of baseball. You could never do this in the NFL. You can't even do it in the NBA. To have the kids walk out on the field during a competition, like some people say, well, what are we doing? This is beautiful. I loved every bit of it. Yeah, I did too. I mean, you know, I'm very fond of Miggy and, you know, the kind of player he has been. And I love, I mean, I'm a family guy too. So this, this really hits me. It's going to be weird. You know, there's been a bunch of guys that have exited our game over the last couple of years that have just been absolute fixtures in it. And I don't know if we'll see, like in the future, Chris, there's not many guys that, oh gosh, I guess they have been signing some guys through 40 as of late. In my mind, like we're seeing kind of like a last generation of guys who are just with teams for so long. But I guess I'm kind of wrong on that because we got Harper. We got a bunch of guys. Well, we'll see how that all goes. This is this is wonderful. It was I love it. Yeah. A guy who took care of the fans and had a wonderful relationship with them. Not only hometown Detroit Tiger fans, but everywhere around baseball, he would bring so many smiles and he'll continue to serve on as a special assistant. So you'll see Miguel Cabrera around, just obviously not in this capacity. Awesome for him. Adam Wainwright came back for one final year. It wasn't pretty all the time. But man, like over the weekend where he got to freaking play a concert at Bush Stadium. We knew that he could sing. We knew he was a bit of a crooner. Loved doing that country twang thing. I mean, I'm sorry, man. This is just so cool. It's great. I'm happy for him. He got to, you know, speak to the fans there in, in a very different setting. Not in a baseball uniform, but in a plaid shirt with a guitar in his hand. That was cool. And then on his final day on Sunday, he made a promise to his family. He's got five kids. He said, listen, we're not getting a dog until I'm done. And so what do they deliver? They deliver a freaking dog to him at the ceremony at home plate. Is like, was he on board with this? Because that's a that's a gift that you don't necessarily just give somebody. He's got to be on board, right? I'm I'm hoping. The the concert know. thing, I want to hate on him so bad because I'm like, come on, man, like you're not a musician. But I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous. Yeah. That's all it is. I would love to be getting sent off like this when I decided to be done with baseball finally, and then say, yeah, I'll just get on stage and play a concert. It's kind of my dream. So. As much as I want to hate on it, I'm just jealous. Yeah, it was pretty good. And uh, Pujols and Yachty were there to surprise him, and that was that was awesome. And he got to he. How, by the way, how about our our final two memories of Adam Wainwright as a player? Him taking two ABs. <laughs> it's pretty good, pretty special. There's your guy, Mark. Look at look at Ollie. Look how good he yeah. is. Yeah, the clubhouse. There oh, yeah. he is. Well, what are we talking right. about? I mean, obviously, it was Wayno that was the problem since he's leaving town. He was the selfish one. Uh, I'm kidding, everybody. Joke. Zach Granke also in the Show Me State. Great job by him and what might be his final performance. His family was taking video. He left. He had the ball in his mitt. He hasn't made any sort of announcement because why would Zach Granke give us any inkling? But um, it was cool that he got to spend the last couple of years where it all started. Yeah, no, it's I... – Grinky, I hope comes back. I, I have no I information so on that. I, I I hope he does, man, because he is something special. And if he doesn't, wouldn't it be funny to see him? Like, what if he just like opened up on social media the way Joey Votto did? 
Yeah. Just out of nowhere, kind of, right? I think yeah. he'd be hilarious. I would love to get to know him a little bit better. Yeah, you might be waiting a while on that one, but you're right. Are you, speak- are you going to talk about Joey Votto at all? Oh, we're going to get not- there. Okay. We're going to get there, but I want to start with Brandon Crawford. I thought one of the real unheralded players of the San Francisco Giants run. Um, he was just dependable. I know there were a couple of years ago that he finished like top five in the MVP voting, but Gold Glover at short would always seemingly get a huge hit. Never really said much. Always felt like a very quiet guy in front of the media, but I always felt like he was one of those guys that helped hold that clubhouse together. An absolute baseball rat. Yeah. Dependable, steady, everything that you want in a ball player. I mean, you put a guy at shortstop like that, that his, I mean, how many years did he get in as a shortstop? That is the most difficult position to stay yeah. in all of the big leagues. And right. he was there for a long time. And like you said, just on on the field, off the field, everything. He was great. You mentioned Joey Votto. Once again, we have no idea. He's got an option that you would imagine that the team will decline. But after his at-bat in St. Louis, he gets tossed. Now, he came out on Twitter slash X, and he apologized afterward. He said, I can't be yelling at the umpires. And for those of you that came to see me play today, I am wrong, and I apologize. And I think we just saw everything about Joey Votto in one clip. A, he was right about the call because it was not a strike. He could be ferocious as a competitor and sometimes over the top when it came to his emotions. And then when he realizes, God, I was off base. It's like he changes and he pats the umpire on the chest and was like, fuck, I, my bad. So that I thought that whole little clip kind of encapsulated exactly who he is. That's a good point. I was kind of disappointed in Joey, to be honest with you, man, because I've, I don't think it's going to be his last game. Like not mm. one ounce of my body believes that. Is that even a saying? I don't know. Um, but it's, I don't know. It didn't, it was weird to think about that. Like he got tossed in his first at bat prop could be his last at bat as a red. Mm-hmm. Like that's more, I think that's more of a possibility than it actually being his last at bat. And because it was on the road, I'll definitely cut him some slack. If that was at home, I think he'd be feeling much worse about oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I, we love Joey. I'm not trying to take shots at Joey. No, no, no. But he, he came out and apologized. He knew he was wrong and. That's the beauty of Joey Votto, particularly over the last like six or seven years. He has gone from a guy who just would keep to himself and wouldn't say much to the poster child for everything that is great in a relationship between a player and the public. So he went on um, Chris Dickerson and Paul Yanish have a show about the Reds, and he went on that show. He actually talked about that as transition into being kind of like what people see him as now. And he said that he never really thought of himself as like, you know, a good personality or bad personality. He just liked baseball and just would play baseball and he'd get competitive and he would just focus on the game. But he had heard from teammates that he was kind of standoffish and that people that came and saw him at first base were like, you know, not weirded out by him, but like, we're, it just wasn't like a natural interrea- uh, interaction. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to be better in the clubhouse. So he read a book about it. I don't remember the book. I'm sorry. Um, and he said it totally changed everything. Instead of feeling like he needed to focus on his routine and every second mattered, he said, I would take a time to ask somebody how they're doing and just really listen to them. And he goes, I found through that that it actually wasn't messing up my routine whatsoever. It was making like his day feel 
more fulfilled mm. and he's just run with it since. So I think that's, it's cool because, you know, dude, he's, he's so cerebral and like, he just gets it. It's, it's, I love that he had that like moment of clarity and, and understood and has just leaned into it. That's great. Uh, big news in the Blitzball world. Your bro's coming. Oh boy. Watch out for Marsh. Marsh face is coming. That wasn't supposed to be out there yet, by the way. I don't know what our social team was doing, but it's out there now. Can't take it back. So, yes, my brother Marsh will be my teammate. Big, bad, bruiser. We're coming for it. Forgotten Ron's back. Love it. God almighty. It's going to be fun. We can't wait to get up there and do this thing. I think it'll be in early November or something like that. We'll keep everybody posted. All right. Baseball playoffs get started on Tuesday. If you want to join us live on the AMP app, we're probably going at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Yes. Pacific. Does that sound about right? Tomorrow, for sure, we can do it because we're not doing talk. I'm not doing talking baseball tomorrow. Oh, okay, great. So we're definitely on time tomorrow. We can go even earlier tomorrow if you want. Oh, we might even go earlier. Just check our social media channels. All right. Don't forget to get those questions in for your SeatGeek question of the week. You can win up to $1,000. You can win $1,000 of credit to use on your SeatGeek app. Make it good. Get it in by Thursday night. For our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and the uber-talented Trevor Plouffe, I am Chris Rose. We will see you Tuesday for the playoff edition of Baseball Today.